Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Why things happen. So this is only going to be, but listen in, because this is only going to be relevant to you if you're a human, okay? So, so if you are a human being, so if you're not a Christian, this is really for you. Everyone else who's a Christian, this is also for you. So if you're alive and you're breathing and you're a human being, right, um, this is for you today. I, I wrote this message just for you because I think that that question about why things happen, man, it is such a good question. And a lot of people, it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or whether you're not a Christian, it doesn't really matter. A lot of people ask the question, hey, why do these things happen? You ever ask yourself that question? Why did this happen? Why did this happen to me? Why does this have to happen this way? And You know, I really reckon that there are two reasons why things happen in our lives. Um, The first reason, not in any particular order, but I just wanted to preach it this way. The first reason is our choices. Uh, We make choices and those choices have implications. And so one of the reasons why things happen is our choices. The the other thing that happens is, is that God makes choices. And so what I'm going to do is over the next two weeks, I'm going to preach um, today on our choices. I'm going to preach next week on His choices because I think that both of these things really help to maybe answer some of the questions in our heart and in our lives about why things happen. Have you ever made a bad choice? Have you ever drunk milk on a hot day and found yourself trapped inside a phone booth and suddenly realized that milk was a bad choice. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Some of you do. That's okay. Sometimes milk's a bad choice on a hot day. But have you ever made a bad choice? I was thinking about this during the week. And, uh, you know, years ago, I went to a Bucks party. And I went to a Bucks party that went to play paintball. And so we had something like 30 of us there and uh, we're all playing paintball together. We had this guy who ran the paintball program, whatever, and he was overseeing us for the day. And, you know, he's, he's kind of a good guy, but the truth is he's just an angry guy. Uh, he, he did a lot of yelling at us and we weren't really doing, I didn't feel like we were doing anything wrong, but there's a lot of in your face. I'm just so glad that they made us wear the goggles so the spit doesn't get in my eyes. And, and, and so here's just a lot of yelling and I don't know why, but anyway, this guy's yelling at us all day. So we get to the end of the day and because it's a Bucks party, you know what they do? They, if you've ever been to paintball, they make the buck run the gauntlet, Okay. Now, here's how it works. Some people are nodding their heads. You've been shot, all right? So, and it hurts, by the way. It hurts when you get shot, okay? So what they do is they get, like, you know, the 15 guys each side and you line up and the buck has to run through the middle. And so you just get to shoot them. They don't have a gun, which is the best part about it. So no retaliation fire, right? And you just get to shoot that guy all the way through until he makes it through. So you shoot this person as many times as you can. They're your friend, but you know you want to shoot him too, right? You do. So anyway, so this is what we did and we lined up. So the guy who had been yelling at us all day, well, he stood at one end and the buck stood at the other. And he said, ready, set, 
Go. So the buck starts running. Man, I'm nailing my friend as many times as I can get. I'm shooting my friend. He's running through, right? But as he's, as he's running, he runs past the guy that's been yelling at us. Okay? So now the guy who's kind of spitting on my goggles and stuff, he suddenly becomes aware in this moment that there are 15 paintball guns already in his direction. The first thing he did was, when he realized he was wearing the mask, is he covers his groin. Because that's, you know, what you want to protect, right? So he covers his groin. And everyone just thought, happy days. So we shot him. <laughs> A lot. And when we shot him, we shot him, we, we didn't aim, I don't know if anyone's this good, but he got shot in the neck. I know. Do you know what happened when he got shot in the neck? Oh, his hands went up to his neck. And then about 20 paintballs were redirected at the man's bread basket. I've never really heard a man scream and cry like that. And he dropped to the ground, just spat all over you. He dropped to the ground and was rolling around like I've, there's weird sounds people make when they're in pain. I don't know, it's like a, like a squeal and a cry. And he's writhing around. I wonder if going through his mind as he fell to his knees, he thought... I've made a bad choice. I've made a bad choice. Because sometimes when we make bad choices, there are implications. And sometimes when we make bad choices, the implications of our choices can be painful. You with me? I'm going to pray. God, I pray that we would be people that make wise choices. Lord, we don't want to be people that make bad choices in life. We believe that you've given us wisdom, but also we want to be people that lead into your spirit. And I pray as we read today and as we sit under preaching and even just in worship, God, that you would speak to us. May we have ears to hear and eyes to see. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read to you from a passage of scripture in Judges. So Judges chapter 6, I'm going to jump straight in for the sake of time and let's get going. The people of Israel... This is Old Testament. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel, and because of, the Midian, uh, because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. So they're hiding from the people because the people are oppressing them. It says, For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them, and they would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel, no sheep nor ox or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock in their, and, and their tents. They would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted so that they laid waste the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel 
They cried out to the Lord for help. They cried out for help to the Lord. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and I brought you out of the house of slavery and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the, Abiz- uh, the Abizite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, Why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned and said to him, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not, I send you. I think that that's hilarious. I think God is just so funny. The last thing that Gideon says, he says, Oh Lord, why has all these things happened to us? And here we are in ho-hum. And uh, the angel of the Lord says, Go in this might of yours. It's like he completely ignores it. It's like sometimes God just ignores some of the things that we say, some of the foolish things that we say. He just ignores it and says, Come on, like just, just get on with life. So let me start by saying this. God doesn't always meet expectations. God doesn't always meet expectations. And if you're sitting here today and you're saying, oh, I don't think so, he always meets my expectations, well, you're lying to yourself. Because the truth is, how many of us have prayed for people that have been sick? And I've got to be honest, I, I pray with faith in my heart. And I, I really believe every time, but you know, they don't always get healed. And, uh, and I had an expectation, but God doesn't always meet our expectations. But it's good to have a great expectation of what God is going to do. And I think of this passage and I think of Gideon. And he's in the wine press and he's threshing out the wheat, which, by the way, many of you would know is not the best place to thresh out wheat. I mean, especially if you get hay fever. I imagine like little husks and little bits going everywhere and you're breathing it in. It's all horrible, right? And the only reason anyone would thresh wheat out inside a cave or inside a stronghold and be protected is because they're so afraid. Remember the mighty man of Allah is so afraid that the Midianites, he's going to be outside threshing around and he's going to attract the wrong kind of attention. People are going to come up and see him and then they're going to attack them. And so what does he do? He hides and he's threshing out the wheat. And I don't know if you've ever had that kind of cave experience where you're sort of just doing some task. It might be gardening for you. It might be, you know, whatever it is. And you're just kind of like thinking to yourself and you think, you know what, where is God in this? You ever had that moment 
where you're just kind of like doing something, but your brain is just completely detached from what you're doing, and you're thinking about things, and you're like, why, why does this happen? Why have these things happened to me? How did I end up in this place? And, you know, that's where Gideon is. And so the angel of the Lord shows up, and he, as he shows up, Gideon asks his question, which I think, by the way, is a completely legitimate question. You've asked it too. He said, if God is with us, then why have all these things happened? You know, if he's so great and we hear about all the things he's done in Egypt, I mean, he's so wonderful. Why is it that my life is the way that it is? And how have I ended up in this place that I didn't really want to end up in? And I'm just not really sure that, you know, this is, I'm not happy about where I am. And you know what I've discovered about God is that he, he actually has his own plan. I know some of you, that might come like revelation to you this morning. It's like, what? Yes, I know. Can you believe it? Shock horror. The Lord God has His own plan. And He's doing things sometimes. And, and if you're like me, and maybe you're not, but sometimes He doesn't actually include you in on what He's doing. And you just kind of find yourself along for the ride. He has His own plan. And you know, disappointment in God really is, arises from your expectations of Him. That's how you end up disappointed, by the way. You end up disappointed because you thought something was going to happen, but then it didn't happen. You end up disappointed that what you thought would didn't. That's where it comes from. So we end up getting disappointed with God when we have failed expectations in our lives. And let me tell you right now, this is a really bad conclusion. God has abandoned us. That is a bad conclusion to arrive at. It's the same conclusion that Israel arrived at. I said, oh, Gideon said it. He said, oh, well, why is the Lord, well, he says the word forsaken. Why has God forsaken us? Why has God abandoned us? Why am I here? Why are these things happening in my life? I remember when I, even when I took over Activate Church, boy, I'm telling you right now, most of you wouldn't even know what my first 12 months taking over the church was like. I had a whole bunch of things that just, you know, uh, went wrong immediately. And uh, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, uh, this is not what this is supposed to be like. I mean, God, you were going to show up and these things would happen and all the rest of it. And we ended up going nomadic and moving, losing buildings. That can't be the plan, you know. But I tell you, it was a great plan. And uh, I would pay good money to not go back and go through that again. But let me tell you, it's still a good plan, you know. God has his own plan. Sometimes he's doing something that we don't know about. And let me share a really important point with you guys this morning. I hope you get this. You need to know this. When, not if, but when God doesn't meet your expectations, because there will come a time in your life where he doesn't meet your expectations. And when God doesn't meet your expectations, you know what? He hasn't abandoned you. He actually has not abandoned you. Even in the middle of that, when things aren't going right, you're, you're not alone. Man, God loves you. He actually said, I'll, I'll never abandon you. I'll, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. It's so important we understand it because when our expectations don't match our circumstances, do you know what we think? We think God is the problem. Yeah? It's like when God doesn't meet our expectations, we say, what are you doing out there? Uh, this, is, this is your problem. But this is what I've said. I've said this a couple of times in the last few weeks, right? Uh, sometimes we are our biggest problems. 
We really are. And sometimes we get in the way of what God is trying to do. And that's exactly what happened to Israel. You know, in the story that we read, and if you're reading along with me, you might have seen the same thing that I did, which is that they're worshiping false gods. It says that they did evil. That's how it opens. It says they did evil in the sight of the Lord. He said, hey, don't worship the gods of, I think it was the Amorites, don't worship the gods when you go to these new lands. Because when you go to the land, the new land, whatever it is, you want to appease the God of the land. He said, don't worry about that. Just worry about pleasing me. And you know what they ended up doing? They ended up just trying to please these false gods and worshiping these false gods. So here that they are, and you'll notice that they cried out to the Lord in verse six and seven. They cry out to him and they say, oh God, you know, like, can you please help us? But do you know what you don't see? You don't see them making any decisions to change their life, do you? What you do see is people worshipping false gods who have their priorities out of order and are making really bad choices, right? And to say, God, would you just save me from all of this stuff? The Midianites, oh, they're oppressing us, right? But they don't actually change what they're doing. There's a real problem when we're praying for God to actually help us, but we're not willing to change ourselves. You know, when we say, God, would you change my circumstances? But actually, I don't want to change my decisions. I don't want to change my choices. I don't want to make good decisions for myself. All I really want is for you to help me when I'm in a time of trouble. There is a problem when we ask God for help, but we live in a way that almost makes it impossible for Him to help us. Now I say almost because God is sovereign and He can do all things. And I believe that just like you do. But at the end of the day, you can make it so difficult for God to help you. Just because of what? Because of the choices that you make in your life. And I wonder this morning, even think about this, immediately let your mind go to this place. I want you to think this morning about where you're making choices in your life in spaces where you need freedom and yet you're not experiencing it, but you're unwilling to change. I tell you, there's so much freedom in following Jesus, but if you end up following another path, if you end up going in a different direction, or worse, if you end up trying to go in two directions and you're actually unwilling to change what you're doing, it becomes really difficult to see that freedom be expressed in your life. One of the reasons why things happen is because we make choices and those choices have circumstances attached to them. The circumstances are the fallout of the decisions that we make. And so many of us would do well to, to, yes, cry out to God and yes, ask for things to be different, but take a good look in the mirror sometimes and say, what do I need to change about the way I'm doing life that would actually enable that freedom to be ushered into my life? What are the decisions that I can make? What are the choices that I can make? I was reading Isaiah during the week. And in Isaiah, this is significant of the new covenant. The the eternal covenant of peace is what it said, the heading in my Bible. You know, the eternal covenant. So we're talking about when Jesus came and gave his life for us. And this is attached to that. And, and, And God says this. He goes, if anyone stirs up strife, it's not from me. He's talking about in the here and now. If anyone's stirring up strife, he goes, it's not from me. Whoever stirs up strife with you shall fall because of you. You got strife in your life right now. It's not because God's trying to stir up stuff in your life. It's not because God's trying to teach you some lesson or punish you. you God loves you. 
Matt, some of you guys would do so well to just keep that in your heart. It's like Mary, she treasured these things in her heart. We would do so well to treasure in our hearts the fact that God loves us. That all the time, if you got you know, trouble and strife and issues in your life, it's not Him at work in your life trying to cause you all these issues. He says, if anyone stirs up strife, it's not for me. The truth is, you want to know, God is actually for you. He is for you. He's not against you. He's for you. He's actually not cursing your mistakes. Your mistakes become curses of their own. Sometimes you see people living their life in such a way that they bring things upon themselves. And if you've ever met someone like this, and, and I've done this myself too, when you live your life in such a way that you make mistakes, you know, a lifestyle of mistakes, you know, that's just you making bad choices over and over again. And you're making all these mistakes and you're like, God, where are you in this? I think half the time God is saying, I am where I have always been. And anytime you want to turn and face me again, I want you to know I'm right here for you. In the meantime, if you could stop making a bunch of unhealthy decisions in your life, you would find yourself in a much healthier place to be. God is not stirring up stuff in your life. He loves you. I'm telling you, you, He loves you. He sent His only Son to die for you. You can believe that He's for you. He was willing to sacrifice everything so that you could have the freedom that He actually wants to deliver to you. You just sometimes can make healthy choices and sometimes you can make bad choices in life. You know, I, uh, my, my parents taught me how to drive and uh, my my mum, she would often let me drive uh, home from school and so forth. And you know, learning, you know, parents, sometimes they want to encourage you. So they just tell you stories about what happened to them when they were learning. And so my, so my mum, she was going for her driver's license. And uh, she was sitting in the car with the driving instructor. I can say this because she's not here today. He's, I already asked her if I could share this story. The driving instructor is sitting next to her and, you know, she's trying to do a parallel park. You know what she did? She, she ran over a cone and it got stuck under the car. So the driving instructor thought, I'm going to remove the cone from the car. So he got out of the car and he said uh, he, he climbed under the car. She's a learner. She doesn't actually have a license yet. He climbs under the car, he's trying to grab the cone. And then from underneath the car, he bangs on it. He says, back up, back up. Well, I told you that mum was a learner at the time. And uh, she forgot to, to put it in reverse. So she ran over her driving instructor. Like just ran over him. And... Uh, she obviously shocked and heard the thud from underneath the car. Back up, back up, you know. And so she backs up. And this is it. Who? Oh, do you know anyone that ran over their own driving instructor? Does anybody know someone like that? God bless my mum. She ran over a driving instructor. It's a crazy story. It's true, right? And I wonder if that driving instructor said, oh, you know, um, that was Suzanne, that was all your fault, whatever. Like, hey, at the end of the day, he's meant to know better, isn't he? And what a foolish thing to do, to get out and to hop underneath the car when a learner's in the car and say, hey, back up, you know. The truth is he should have known better. See, sometimes, you know, 
We can blame everyone else in our life, but sometimes every now and then we just got to take responsibility for the way that we live in our lives, for the choices that we make. And we say, hey, some choices are healthy. Some choices are really not healthy. We've got to take responsibility. You know, sometimes I reckon we can be saying, oh God, why you've done this? He's like, got nothing on me. Half the time people can be saying, oh, it's the devil. It's like the devil is seriously saying, I've got nothing to do with this. You are perfectly capable of making mistakes on your own. Because mistakes can have consequences. We've just got to learn to live our lives in such a way where we choose life. And you know what? This is exactly what God said to Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 30, this is what God said to Israel. This is just before we read this passage in Judges. He said, See, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today. Now, pay attention to what I'm about to read. Because I know it's Old Testament, but apparently it works the same way. All right, you ready? It says this, by loving the Lord your God. I've got to tell you that's so important that you actually love the Lord your God. It's one of the best ways that you'll actually follow Him is by loving Him. If you love the Lord your God by walking in His ways, yes, we still do that. And by keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Listen, here's what I'm saying. If you want to move forwards in life and take possession of your future, that I'm telling you the best way that you can do it is that you follow God, you walk in His ways, you love Him. It's all the same stuff. This is the other choice. He says, but if your heart turns away which is, by the way, how it still happens today. People's hearts turn away. He says, and you do not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them. I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. And this is his advice to you. It still is the same advice to you. It's still coming through today. He says, therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him, loving the Lord your God, holding, holding fast to him, you know, obeying him. For he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob to give them. There are choices that we can make in life to follow Him. There are destinations, there are pathways, and the best thing that we can do is make decisions to follow Jesus. Now, here's the thing. You're saved by grace through faith in Christ. When I talk about following Him, guess what? If you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Saviour, I have good news for you. Despite the decisions that you make, you're still saved by grace. But if you're interested in any respect in having a good life here on earth, you can make wise decisions decisions and great choices that will actually help you along the way. You're still going to be saved. It's just that you're going to enjoy life a whole lot more if you're following Jesus closely. So let me ask you, for example, what are you watching? You know, the Bible says that the, oh, I don't even know if this is in the Bible, to be honest. So the eyes are the window to the soul. Is that a scripture? It is. I just wanted to make sure that wasn't a saying, you know. The eyes are the windows to the soul. Something goes in there and ends up in here. What are you watching? What do your eyes gravitate towards? Hey, men, what are you watching? What are you watching? What are you looking at? 
What's going through your eyes and being deposited into your soul? Are your eyes going places that they shouldn't go? What are you inviting into your life? Here's some great advice for everyone. Don't cruise SBS at one in the morning. There's nothing there for you. I mean it. I'm serious. There's nothing there for you. What are you watching? How about this? What are you reading? I read a study this week and it said that uh, uh, 60% of pastors in the US roll out of bed and check Facebook before they read their Bible. I'm sorry to say that I actually sit with that 60% because my alarm goes off when I check it and I'm maybe laying there for a few minutes. And to be honest, yeah, that's what I've done as well. I read that, suddenly made me realize I need to make a change in my life. And so I haven't been doing that, but I didn't realize it. I didn't know I was doing it. It just kind of was happening. What am I reading? What are you reading? Do you just sit there? How much Facebook can you read and how much do you struggle reading the Word of God? I mean, how many articles connected to articles, connected to articles, connected to links that are oh so interesting? How many, how many BuzzFeed articles could you actually read? And yet reading the Bible, such a struggle in life. What are you reading? What are you filling yourself with? What's going into your spirit? What are you filling your heart with? And I, I'm telling you right now, there are just some environments that I know that I shouldn't go. Like I can tell you something right now. I mean, I, nightclubs are just not a great place for me. I never go anyway, but this is not a great place for me. First of all, I don't even know where I'm going to look anyway. I don't know where my eyes can go. And I, I just think about that environment. I think, what is there for me in that? The truth is there's nothing for me there. Do you know that, you know, you go into some environments and your spirit will actually partner with that environment. You bring yourself under certain influences and all the rest of it. What kind of influences are you allowing into your life? Let me tell you, that's a choice that you're making. You know, and the truth is that some people, they worry so much about what others will think about them. They end up just, what does the Bible say? The bad company corrupts good morals. When we end up worrying more about what other people will think and less about what God thinks, we find ourselves like the Israelites hoping to worship and appease the gods of the lands because we're more concerned about what everyone else is thinking. And what did God say? He goes, don't worry about the gods of the land. He goes, just worship me, serve me. And if you serve me and you make me first and things are going to work out for you in life, Life, choose life. But if you go after other gods, if you put things before me, I'm telling you, life isn't going to work out. So let me ask you, how are the priorities of your life going today? What false gods do you have in your life? And just for all of us who are present today, false gods means anything that's before God in your life. So what have you got in your life that's more important to you than God? Because whatever that is, it's a false God. And let me make you a promise today that you can take to bed tonight. It will not save you. Whatever it is, it will not save you. It doesn't matter what you think is more important than God. It will not save you. It will lie to you if you think that it's going to help you more than Jesus does. Because the thing that you need most in your life, the truth is, you just need Jesus. So here's what you need to do. Some of us, we just need to make a stop, start, do, don't list. Stop doing some things. Start doing other things. Don't do some things. Do do others. And I know it might sound like religion, but here's the truth about that. It's actually choosing life. It's choosing Jesus. It's about making healthy decisions for you your future. I mean, it just makes sense to me. Have God as number one in your life. Have Him being preeminent in your life. It's going to help you. Don't make it hard for God to help you. When I was younger, we had a clothesline that used to swing out over a, over a big drop. It's about, must have been at least six foot. And then you've got the clothesline on top of that. Being a little kid, I used to love running up swinging on the edge 
and swinging out across the gap and coming back and then landing back on the, on the land, right? One time I made a mistake and I ran along and I jumped out, swung out, got stuck out there, didn't I? It's a bad choice. What am I going to do? Well, I did the only thing I knew how to do. I just said, Dad, help me. I don't even know how he heard me because he was mowing the lawn at the time. But here I was holding on. And uh, you'd be surprised how long a little kid can hold on for. It felt like an eternity. But eventually my dad comes up from the garden and he stands below me. And because it was so high, he couldn't quite reach me. So he said, let go and I'll catch you. I said, nope. (laughs) He said, I'm serious. I won't drop you. If you let go, I'll catch you. I said, nope. (laughs) And after a little while, I figured this is going nowhere. So... I said, you better not drop me. He said, I'm not going to drop you. I let go and he caught me. Now, some people, they're not willing to let go of things in their life and let God catch them. When you're holding on to the wrong things, you're not letting God hold you. And I just think that there are people here today that, you know what, you just really need to let go of bad choices, bad decisions. It's not just one. It's a series of things in your life. It might be just your philosophy, the way that you're doing life, but you've got to let go and actually let God hold you. And if you trust him, I'm promising you today, you won't, he's not going to let you down. You know, I feel like God is like, uh, he's kind of like Jerry Maguire, you know, he's saying, help me help you. Help me help you. Sometimes he's probably thinking, show me the money. No, that's a terrible joke. No, that's a, that was, that was a lot funnier here. Anyway, no, truthfully, he says, help me help you. Do you know that you're able, you can enable God to help you just by choosing life? You can enable God to help you by making the right decisions in life. And I was thinking about this and I was thinking, boy, God really doesn't bless all of our choices, does he? You know, just because we make a decision doesn't mean that God is responsible to bless it. There's all kinds of things that God doesn't want to bless. And you know what? In this passage that we're reading here, He didn't send the Midianites after them. That wasn't the punishment. Remember, the Midianites were waiting for an opportunity. You know what God did? He said, okay. He just let them. Do you know in the Bible, in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 1, it says three times that He gave them up to themselves. You know, God, what God does is sometimes He's standing there and He's saying, would you just follow me? Come after me? He says, I'm right here. But after a while, if people are just so bent on trying to make the wrong decision, He gives them up to their choices. He says, yeah, all right. Okay, fine. You want to make those choices? This is sort of where you're going to end up. You know, the truth is there is a reason for everything. Have you ever seen something happen in somebody's life and they go, well, there's a reason for everything. Yeah, sometimes that reason is you did something dumb and now you're paying for it. It's true. Sometimes we just pay for our mistakes. It's just kind of the way that it is sometimes. It's like, yes, there is a reason for everything. I thought, imagine if I told you this whole message and then I didn't even tell you what God would actually bless you might find yourself stuck. Like Now we know not to do those things, but what do we do? Well, let me tell you some things that God loves. God loves obedience more than sacrifice. God loves obedience. Isn't that what He said? He said, hey, listen, if you obey me, in fact, in the two scriptures that we read today, He said, you haven't obeyed my voice. If you obey me, this is what will happen to you. Oh man, God loves it when you obey Him. And if you see this as religion, well, I just don't think that you're seeing it clearly because you know what John said? He wrote in, in 1 John, I think it's chapter 5, he writes, you know what? His, his commandments, they're not burdensome to us, they're life. 
You just got to follow Him and listen to Him, obey Him. I tell you something else that God loves, man. He loves faith. He loves it when you believe Him. He loves it when we don't second guess Him. He loves it when we just, He sees faith in us. Your faith is the degree to which you believe God. So when He says something for you, if you believe Him, He's like, oh, that's my boy. That's what He's thinking. That's my daughter. Look at him. They're so good. It's like you read the beginning of Job. It's like He shows off about us. He's like, have you seen my servant? Have you seen my son? Have you seen my daughter? Oh man, they're so faithful. Oh, He loves that. He loves obedience. He loves faith. He loves honour. We live in a culture that's so dishonouring. We really do. We dishonour. Our culture dishonours everyone in authority. It wouldn't matter if it was a pastor. It wouldn't matter if it I don't feel like we've got that at all in this church. I love you guys. I feel like there's such a great culture of honour here. But you know, there are some places you go, there's just no honour. And God doesn't bless that. You know, people don't bless people in positions of authority, police, you know, government, whatever it is. And God doesn't like that. He loves it when we honour Him. He, he, he loves it when we honour each other, when we lift each other up. He loves unity. He loves it where the brothers dwell together in unity. There God commands the... Come on. He loves it. He loves it when we dwell in unity. He loves integrity. Now, I'm talking this week all about our choices because the truth is we do make choices. But there is such an intersection between our choices and the decisions that God makes and the sovereignty. I'm going to spend next week talking about God's sovereignty over our lives and how we feel about making decisions and what He's doing at the same time. But I'm going to talk about Joseph. But man, Joseph was a man of integrity and God blessed him. He loved it. He loved seeing integrity in people's lives. Before we worship, let me show you one thing in Scripture. You remember before I said to you that uh, they're crying out to God and they're saying to God, hey, would you help us? Would you save us? They're crying out to God, but they're not willing to make any decisions to see things change in their life. Save us from the Midianites, but uh, we're going to keep our false gods. Well, they cry out to Him in verse 6. This is what actually happens. This is what He says. In chapter 6 and verse 25, it says, That night, the Lord God... Well, the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altars of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that's beside it. You gotta, he says, I, I want to help you, but you've got to pull down some stuff in your life first. Help me help you. He says, if you, you know what? If you begin to tear down those altars, if you stop worshipping, yeah, I'm going to help you. But if you go and tear down those altars, that's going to position you to be blessed. He says, and if you build an altar to the Lord your God atop this, uh, on the top of the stronghold here with stones laid in due order, then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with wood of the Asherah. Tear down the old altar, build something new out of it. Hello, for your life. Tear it down, build something new out of it. And he goes, then you'll cut it down. So Gideon took 10 men of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. But hey, at least he did it. At least he did it. He, he was afraid of what other people might think of him, but at least he did it. Because you know, the thing is, is that when it, these guys, they're, they're consciences were so seared, they saw no problem between worshipping false gods and crying out to their God for help. In their minds, they thought this is reasonable. 
But there are some things in our minds that we think are reasonable that God says, no, that's not reasonable. If you tear down what's between me and you and you put me first in your life, you're gonna position me to actually bring freedom into your life. If you want me to do something new in your life, maybe there's a decision that you need to make. You see, they cried out to God in verse six and verse seven, but they don't destroy the idols until verse 28. And it's after that, that God comes. And if you read the passage, it says that they struck Midian as one man. Oh, it's an incredible story. You should read it for yourself. But if you do, you see, man, God showed up and did a miracle. Why? He said, I'll do everything that you need in your life. I know you've got all these ideas, but hey, do one thing first. Stop making bad choices. Start making right choices. Stop following other gods. Start following me. Stop putting things between us. Remove that. Stop being devoted to that life and make me first in your life and then I'll be able to do something. Help me, help you. And the man of valour, he broke down the altars. He offered himself to God. And God came and He did something incredible in his life. So here's what I'm wondering. I, I think about this. What is it that's between you and God today that you would just, you know, if you just remove that, maybe it's a, it's a decision-making process. Maybe even as I'm saying this, because this is how God works sometimes. I'm talking about this stuff and the whole time you're sitting there convicted because the Holy Spirit's going, oh, that's wrong in your life. You know you've been watching, you know you've been reading, you know you've been in that environment, you know you're in the wrong places doing the wrong things. That's how God works. Maybe there's something in your life and you know what, if you were to remove it, God would come and He would bless you. But I wonder what would be in your life right now that if you were to tear it down right now, even here in this place, if you were to make a choice to just tear down some other stuff in your life, man, I wonder what God would do with you. I wonder what would be the land that you would possess. I wonder what your future would actually look like. Because after a while, you've got to stop blaming everyone else and start going, oh, I'm going to make a decision. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Now we're going to sing that song right now. I've decided. It's such a good song for today, isn't it? We didn't plan that. It's just God. I have decided to follow Jesus. Would we do this? Can you raise your hands this morning? Let me pray for you. Father, Lord, for everyone that's here in this place today, I pray, God, that we would tear down anything in our lives that would get between you and us. We want to worship you, God. We want to praise you. We want you to be preeminent in our lives, God. And if we're finding that there's areas in our life that we're just not getting breakthrough in, Lord, would you come? And not condemn, because there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. But Lord, would you do a convicting work in our hearts and in our spirits today about where we just need to realign our priorities and maybe make some wise choices and some better decisions and start to follow you? And Father, I pray that as we, even in our hearts today, begin to say, I'm going to change some things about my life. I wonder, God, would you come and just breathe life? Breathe life into every person here that makes that decision and says, I've decided. In Jesus' name I pray. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.